High Noon with George Hook. Thanks to ClaytonHotels.com with 17 hotels across Ireland and the UK. Well, it's time for another one of George's favourite films. And here to help me through remembering it, of course, is our regular guest, Stephen Benedict, lecturer in film at Trinity College Dublin. And you'll find him at stephenbenedict.ie. George, good to see you. Uh, Great to see you. Now, we're opening with a real favourite of mine. And I'm talking about having seen it a hundred times. And okay. I don't think that's an exaggeration. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You, on the other hand, as the pro, uh, kind of don't think it's up there with, uh, you know... Well, we've been talking about films like Chinatown and all the yeah, things. Yeah. yeah, you don't see it up there with them. No, I think it's an enjoyable film. And we'll put the audience out of their misery right now. We'll, talk, we'll let them know that we're talking about the Glenn Miller story made yeah. in 1954 starring Jimmy Stewart and June Allison. I can see why you like it. I think I can see why you like it. But you don't know. So you're going to tell me. Well, interestingly, um, coincidentally, uh, just over two weeks ago, I was reduced to tears on the program Mm -hmm. because the essential song picked by Bill Bill Hughes, Hughes, the great Bill Hughes, it was the Glenn Miller Orchestra playing the American Patrol. Right. And my father was a drummer in a dance band. Ah. And he told me all the time about Glenn Miller. He took me to Glenn, the Glenn Miller story. I'm 13 years of age and he <coughs> brings me to it. But he talks. He talked always about the American Patrol. Mm-hmm. There's a drum a break in it, which is very difficult, yeah. right? And he talked about how difficult it was. And we played it. And when I heard drum break... Uh, on radio, I just broke down and cried. Lovely moment. So the, the Glenn Miller story is about Glenn Miller because of my father... As a drummer. As a drummer right. and introducing me to the Miller music. Right. And talking me through this movie as we walked home from the cinema and me linking arms with him as a 13-year-old. And yeah. he's telling me all about it. So it, this isn't about, like, a great movie. Right. It, what it, it's what it means to you. It's George's, George's favourite. Favorite. Yeah, yeah. It makes complete okay. sense. But I think that's great to have somebody who can actually give you the backstory, the, the background yeah. details, because... Yeah. One of the reasons why I think it's it's just it's you know it's it's an okay film. I don't think it's a it's a yeah. great film. I don't even think it's a great biopic. Is that it charts, but I don't think it does enough about Miller's struggle to find the sound, the yeah. Miller sound. And he spent over a, a decade struggling in in other bands and working as a as a session player, and all the while trying to write his own music and do his own arrangements. And then you know the, the film for me doesn't really chart that struggle enough. What it does is that the movie is actually two parts. The first part is his struggle to find the sound. And once he finds the sound, the second part is a great session where you actually just hear the beautiful music. And for me, if you don't mind, you, you were talking about Bill Hughes giving you that citation for that, that number. But for me, it's Moonlight Serenade. Which, of course, was Miller's theme yeah. song. Will we have a listen? We certainly will. Let's have a listen. Moonlight turn. Yeah. yeah. You know, you don't need an excuse to listen to that music. 
Yeah, there's, but there's some great moments in it because, you see, my father's filling it all in for me, yeah. which the average movie goer wouldn't have known. Wouldn't have known. Yeah. Because there's a moment in the film, he's in England and he's yes. got the, the Miller Band are now in the forces and he's, he's playing at a hospital. In mm. London, and overhead, you hear the German bombers That's come right. in. He and not the bombers, actually, a V one missile. Okay. Ah, okay, V one missile, rockers, yeah. and he keeps playing. Yeah, and everybody else is ducking, ducking. of course, because the, because when the rocket's engine stopped, it was just seconds from hitting, yeah. right? Yeah. But he keeps playing and then keep cheering. But my father fills it in. Where Miller was working with the band and everything, he then moved to a different location because he wanted a bigger office mm. or rehearsal rooms or whatever. And the old office, a week later, was bombed by a V1 and everybody in a kill. Oh, so, so like all this kind of backstop mm. is stuff. Mm. Now, you know me also about movies that when we talk, I'm always talking not about the stars, yeah. but about the other characters, yes. right? <laughs> yeah. Now, there's a guy in this called Chummy, who's his piano player. That's right. Played by a fellow called Harry Morgan. And another generation would know him through MASH. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was the commanding officer. That's of right. Yeah, yeah. And then he played in a lot of movies as a, a bad guy mm. in cowboy movies. Right. Right. Yes. But here is, is an incredibly sort of soft, sentimental part, mm. and he milks it for all his worth. Mm. But the other thing is, which was fantastic for me when I talk about the bit parts, because I'm going to come to you about the movie, is the bit parts were real people. Yes, so that's the right. great Gene Krupa, a drummer like my father, and, and my father's hero, I suddenly see Krupa for real. Yeah. I see Louis Armstrong for real. That's right. And that's huge for me. You know, it's interesting because they, they did make the, the Gene Krupa story. Yes, you know, and Salmonell. And I, that's right, who for all, all, listeners would know him from uh, Rebel Without a Cause, he played Pluto. But it was interesting because I would have thought that now you've given me the backstory about your father being a drummer, I would have guessed that out of all the great biopics of the great jazz musicians like Benny Goodman, Glenn Miller and uh, Gene Krupa, you would have plumbed for Gene Krupa. So what was it particularly about the Miller story? Is the music or the Krupa story came later? Uh, I know, it's the music. And and um, I I wasn't enamoured by Krupa per se. Right. I was enamoured by, by the fact that Krupa was, Krupa was an extraordinary drummer. drummer. Yeah, he was an extraordinary yeah. performer. But the whole Miller story, joining the army, getting mm. lost over the British English Channel, they mm. never knew what happened to him, the search for the sound, all that sort of stuff. My father talking me through this. Mm. You, know what I mean? you see, this is, this is the thing, George. I think you're dad made it to be a better film than the film actually was. Yeah. And I think if people were watching it today, they'd go, well, if George hadn't explained the backstory, it, well, it's not all that Why great. Why am I watching this? Well, it's, it's <laughs> not, well, the thing is, hopefully people will watch it. But, you know, an interesting thing that I found about the story is the fact that they, they cast Jimmy Stewart as Glenn Miller because Jimmy Stewart, as we know, had served in the US Air Force and fought and flown a number of combat missions in the US Air Force. And so I thought that casting is quite interesting. And the director... Anthony Mann. I think they made eight films together. Yeah. Um, All great cowboys, westerns, really, weren't they? Great westerns. Well, there was one called Tiger Bay, which is made post-World War II. It's about 
an oil rig in Louisiana and local shrimpers and all this sort of stuff. But I would put films like Winchester 73, The Naked Spur, The Man from Laramie, The Far Country. I mean, these are really, really terrific westerns. And why I mentioned those is because Jimmy Stewart's character, his persona, changed considerably after, after World War II. It went very dark. Now, people think he's the affable chap from It's a Wonderful Life. But if they think about that moment in the story, you know, he's suicidal at the beginning of the film and it gets very, very dark. But then you compare him to a great movie like The Philadelphia Story, which he won his Oscar for. And then you compare him to these brilliant pictures that he made with Anthony Mann. The Mann pictures are the best Jimmy Stewart pictures. Absolutely. Yeah. We cannot... Leave out the great journalists. We should not. No, we'd criminal if we did. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because they actually, this was the second of three films that Jimmy Stewart did with June Allison. Obviously, the studios looked at it, looked at the screen. They saw the fantastic chemistry that the two of them had. And I think we've got a lovely clip here. Uh, It's set from early on in the story when he turns up at her house out of the blue in the dead of night and she still has her curtains in her hair and he calls her from the window and it's literally a moonlight serenade. This is lovely, lovely little clip. Honestly, two years and not a word and then a, of a present like this. Well, you're with some people you don't have to write. You just know. I knew you'd be here. Oh, you did? Sure. I knew you'd be just the same. Just sitting around waiting for you to show up, oh, I suppose. Oh, no. Helen, How is my girl, you said? Well, you happen to be wrong. I've been engaged to Ed Healy for nearly a year. Shh. Helen, and did it ever occur to you that I might not care if I ever saw you again? No, it never did. Never. Oh, <laughs> never. Why can't I ever stay mad at you? I don't know. You had me worried there for <laughs> Honestly. Do you know, do you know, if, if you were anybody else, I would never speak to you again? And that gives us, I think, a taste of how the reason why the studios put them back in the movie together. They had already made uh, the Stratton story about a, 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 a baseball player who was, a, uh, I think it was a champion baseball player, and he, I think he lost his leg. I, I didn't see that. Yeah. But just in June Allison, the other thing that really, June Allison, when you listen to her there, she had this kind of throaty Very voice. There was voice. a British actress, sounded a bit like her, called Glynis John. Yes. And <laughs> and it's this kind of throaty accent and so attractive, mm. you know? And Allison... Jude Allison was a kind of a... It's very hard to go back to the 1950s, like go back 60, 70 years almost. She was a kind of a a, a kid. Like she made movies with Peter Lawford, I remember, <laughs> which were musicals. But she wasn't a star of the first rank, though. But she was a star on TV. Oh. She, she had a big career on television, just like Donna Reed, who starred opposite Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life. They had their their movie careers were not as stratospheric as Jimmy Stewart's, for example, but they had very, very successful careers in television. The other thing, do you know when you watch movies, even, well, certainly even someone like me who loves movies, sometimes you see a character actor and mm. you sort of say, I saw him somewhere before. Where did mm. I see mm. him? Where did I see him? Another guy who is ubiquitous is, he's the booking agent for Miller. He books right. band. Charles Drake. Now, Charles Drake has turned up <laughs> in about a hundred movies. I have to confess, I don't, I can't place Charles Drake. If you, <laughs> I'm absolutely certain. Yeah. 
he was in a movie with Audie Murphy where Audie Murphy played himself. Do you remember that? Yes, I Audie do. Audie Murphy was the America's most decorated soldier, soldier in World War II. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or an ever, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and Charles Drake was not. But I mean, you know, if you looked up a CV mm. and you suddenly went through all these movies and he kept turning up yeah. without ever... yeah. Actually, there's a there's a there's a great moment in the film. One of the film, one of the moments that I really really liked was early in the film when they get married, and they go to a club and they hear Louis Armstrong play, and they sit down and they serve tea, <laughs> <laughs> and we know it's not tea. And yeah. June Allison's face sort of because she balks at this. But there's another, just one minor little thing about it. The film beautifully is full of anachronisms. There's a scene early on that is set in the 1920s, but the song they play is actually Over the Rainbow, which was not written until 1939. But that's just a minor little detail. Oh, yeah. The other thing, of course, in it, it's a very small part of their children because their children in real life are actually adopted. Adopted, yes. Yeah. yeah. But there's some wonderful moments. And it's just a favourite film. It's the Glenn Miller story. It's June Allison. Jimmy Stewart, directed by Anthony Mann. And I a great it. soundtrack. A oh, great soundtrack. I watched it for the hundredth time, I think, about six weeks ago on RT2 on Sunday afternoon, entranced as usual. Well, that's it for this week with George's favourite movies in the wonderful company who <laughs> keeps me focused, Stephen Benedict.